I have a word from the Lord for you this morning. Hope that's all right. My one disclaimer is this. I'm going to get real preachy. I'm going to get real preachy. I don't know if I've ever been this preachy here. I can't help it. It's going to get preachy. So if you're new, apologies. It's going to get preachy. This is going to come as a real surprise, but I'm preaching from our Old Testament lectionary text this morning from the book of Haggai. Real crowd favorite, really, Haggai. People love Haggai. Two chapters, the shortest books in the Bible. Um, I just really feel like right now that the prophets are book, they're just books for our time, uniquely. Uh, major and minor prophets right now, I just think they're books for our time. Haggai chapter 1, verse 15, and we'll go through chapter 2, verse 9, says, in the year of King Darius, in the, seven, in the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the prophet Haggai, saying, speak now to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, and say, who is left among you that saw this house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Is it not in your sight as nothing? Yet now take courage, O Zerubbabel, says the Lord. Take courage, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Take courage, all you people of the land, says the Lord. Work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. According to the promise that I made to you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit abides among you. Do not fear. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once again in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all the nations so that the treasure of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with splendor, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The latter splendor of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place I will give prosperity, says the Lord of hosts. Would you pray with me just one more moment? Lord, we just ask for the grace now both to be able to be fully present to the moment that we're in, this moment where you are so richly dwelling with us, this moment that is feeling so unstable in the world. We want to attend to it fully, and yet at the same time, we kind of want to transcend the moment too. We want to go to a higher place. We want a different point of view. We want to step out a bit um, from all of the noise and news and activity and opinions, and just pray for the grace now that you would give us a word that would shift our perspective, Lord, that you would give us something of just your divine perspective, um, the grace to know how to be the people of God in a world that very much is shaking. I just ask finally, Lord, for that grace that all those who could hear, that all those that would hear, you would quicken them now to be able to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying 
to the church. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, Amen. A couple times in the last few weeks in preaching from the prophets, I've talked about exile. Haggai comes at the end of exile. This is the stretch where uh, Persia has conquered Babylon. So now the people who have enslaved the Israelites, the, the, these, the Babylonians that had led them into captivity, they've now been conquered by someone else. And early indications are that the Persians are going to be more charitable with the Israelites, more charitable with the Jews, than their predecessors had been. So um, initially there's a sense of optimism. People are hopeful. By the time that Haggai is written, the first few exiles are coming back from Babylon, back into Jerusalem. And initially this comes with some excitement. We get to come back into the old city. Maybe we can recapture something of our former glory. Maybe we can have something of the good old days. And yet, very soon after they begin to relocate back to Jerusalem, there's almost immediate discouragement. Because for all the ways that they had romanticized the temple as the center of their worship and cultural life before, Everybody, everybody's so excited about being able to get back to this house of worship. The temple was not only in ruins, the temple had been in ruins for a long time, but now that it's been 70 years since they've gone into captivity, basically there's next to nobody alive who can even remember what the glory of the temple is like. So hence the question in Haggai, does anybody even remember what it was like in those days? I mean, there's next to nobody that's even seen the temple when it was at its peak. So almost immediately, people began to be discouraged. And the whole context, really, for Haggai is God's call to rebuild the temple. And as we saw in these verses, that what God is going to do through the rebuilding, even though this is coming through the ruins, even though right now there's discouragement, even though right now there's um, not some sense of like that where they can go back, God makes a promise that rather than going back, this will be better than it even was before. What I will give you now, the glory of the temple now will be even greater than the glory that was there before. But right now it's just in ruins and people are very, very discouraged. Plenty that could be said about that, but I want to focus on one really simple thing. One verse that so captured my imagination. And this and kind of what follows from there is what had me jumping up and down in the shower, frankly, on Tuesday. If that's not too <laughs> visceral, sorry about that. It's just true. I was, I was jumping. Um, this one verse in particular, or two verses rather, verse 6. Can we go there one more time? For thus says the Lord of hosts, once again in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all the nations. So here, that's not just for Israel. I will shake all the nations so that the treasure of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with splendor, says the Lord of hosts. Something about this verse has just gotten tangled up in my hair and under my fingernails. That God says, I will shake the earth. I will shake all the nations. Now the promise here is a hopeful one for Israel. And that God says to the Jews, God says to his own chosen people, that through this shaking that's going to happen to the nations that this shaking that's going to happen through the whole world, the treasure that I've placed inside of you is going to come out. The shaking that's affecting everybody has a unique purpose for you. 
Everybody feels the quaking. But God, in the midst of his own people, is uniquely wanting to bring forth a treasure. Now, the thing you have to keep in mind about this before I get very ahead of myself is that even though this is a promise that's distinctively for Israel, while it's a promise that's distinctively for the Jews, as it is from the very beginning, anything that God does for Israel, God ultimately is doing for the world. I feel like a number of times here lately I've been talking about the election of Abraham in Genesis, zing, Genesis 11 and 12, when Abraham is elect, when Abraham is the chosen one, this is really, being funny, but it's the foundation of our whole idea about election or chosenness is that God chooses Abraham. God makes a promise with Abraham. He makes a covenant with Abraham. He says, I will make you great. I will make your name great. I'll give you a great family. I'll give you a great nation. And ultimately, the end of that promise is that through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So whatever God ever does for Israel is not just for Israel, for Israel's sake, but so that Israel ultimately can be the light to the nations. That's always been the idea. So ultimately, whatever God is going to do for Israel is somehow for everybody else. But the place I really want to land uh, for a moment here before we look at, at something from the New Testament is just this simple idea. That in order for God to get the treasure out into the world, the only way he can do this is through the shaking. It's the only way it can happen. It's the only way that can happen. I don't want God to excavate the treasures in my life via shaking. Why can't you just FedEx that thing, <laughs> wrap it up like a Christmas present, let me just open the good gifts of God? Wouldn't that be awesome? Just give me the gifts. And if you have gifts you want me to bring into the world, then let, let me do that in a way that's neat and clean and linear. Let's do that in a way that's kind of simple. How, how about this? Why, maybe you could make things calm down for me. Maybe you could stabilize things for me. And you can shake the nations if you want to, but keep me calm. But instead, what God says is, everybody's going to shake. The nations will shake. The peoples of the earth are going to shake. You're going to shake too. Because ultimately, that's the only way that God's treasure, that's the only way that God's light gets out to the nations is through the shaking. That there are these gifts present, there are these things that God wants to do in the world that have to be shaken so they can be dislodged. If there's not a kind of violent shaking that goes on, everything's going to stay in place, everything's going to stay in order, and as it always is for the people of God ever since they were first delivered out of slavery from Pharaoh, about half the time, we would say in the midst of those moments, I'd rather stay right here or even go back to the life I had before. I'd rather have a familiar, comfortable kind of slavery than to feel like the walls are constantly quaking all around me. I would rather have a kind of boring, consistent kind of bondage than freedom if that means that constantly it's going to feel like everything's being dislodged. Nothing's ever still. Nothing's in place. Especially when, again, you see that right now for the people of God in Haggai, while they have this promise, they have this hope, all that they see in front of them is a temple in ruins. 
There is nothing about this that's exciting. There's nothing about this that, you know, that is getting anybody going. Like nothing in front of them looks great. Just this promise from God that I'm going to shake the nations, I'm going to shake you, and that ultimately through the shaking, the treasure that I have in you is going to be revealed to the world. Y'all tracking with me so far? Okay, so here so here's where I really feel like the Lord took me, and I'm I need to pace myself to not lose my mind. The book of Acts. It's a wonderful story, almost a great Sunday school kind of story that I just feel like I don't, I don't think about very much. Just keep everything I said before on the shelf. Acts 16, beginning verse 20. This is where uh, Paul and Silas have been preaching, and uh, there was a girl who was following them around, and she was screaming in a loud voice incessantly, these men are servants of the Most High God. Turns out she's possessed by a spirit. And the reason this is significant is that um, the fact that she was possessed by a spirit gave her powers that made other people money. So when Paul cast this demon out of her, the merchants in town are unhappy because this girl was, was bringing money into the town. So they're, they're upset. They bring in the authorities. And that means that Paul and Silas are essentially seized by the, well, well we can say the police here, and they kind of are hauling them now down to court. So verse 20, when they had brought them before the magistrates, they said, these men are disturbing our city. They are Jews and are advocating customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to adopt or observe. The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates had them stripped of their clothing and ordered them to be beaten with rods. After they had given them a severe flogging, they threw them into prison and ordered the jailer to keep them securely. Following these instructions, he put them in the innermost cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, verse 26, there was an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were unfastened. When the jailer woke up and saw the prison doors wide open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself since he supposed that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted in a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. The jailer called for lights, and rushing in, he fell down, trembling before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them outside and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They answered, Believe on the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. At the same hour of the night, he took them and washed their wounds. Then he and his entire family were baptized without delay. He brought them up into the house and set food before them, and he as an entire household rejoiced that he had become a believer in God. When morning came, the magistrate sent the police, saying, let those men go. And the jailer reported the message to Paul, saying, the magistrate sent word to let you go, therefore come out now and go in peace. But Paul replied, they have beaten us in public, uncondemned, men who are Roman citizens, and have thrown us into prison, and now they're going to discharge us in secret? Certainly not. Let them come and take us out themselves. 
The police reported these words to the magistrates that they were afraid when they heard that they were Roman citizens. So they came and apologized to them, and they took them out and asked them to leave the city. I love that. After leaving the prison, they went to Lydia's home, and when they had seen and encouraged the brothers and sisters there, they departed. I wanted to read the whole text because I love the whole story and wanted you to have a sense of context. I love that um, this is just, for me, a beautiful part of the gospel tradition, this way that God uses any and all things. By the end of the text, the very jailer who was holding Paul and Silas captive has become a Christian, and now this very public episode that happened in front of the city is only bringing more attention to God and to the gospel. It lands in such a beautiful place. But I want to talk for just a moment about, uh, before we talk a little bit more about shaking, about where the text here really starts with Paul and Silas being thrown into prison. And it says their feet are in stocks. They're unable to move, utterly paralyzed. I wonder if you know what that feeling is like to feel paralyzed, to feel stuck, to feel constricted, to feel hemmed in. So long as Paul and Silas are hemmed in, since Paul is called to be the apostle to the Gentiles, and therefore to the world, so long as Paul is caged in, the gospel is caged in. So long as Paul and Silas are trapped inside this prison, the gospel would seem to be trapped inside this prison. There in the city of Philippi, under the province of Macedonia here, the gospel seems to be trapped and locked up. They are in stocks. They are paralyzed. There's nothing they can do. I feel like I keep talking to people right now who I love, who feel uniquely paralyzed by the season we're in. I spent a couple days with my family this week in Charlotte, and uh, I had a wonderful conversation with my dad the other day, where two or three times in the course of that conversation, my dad, who's 70, was in, in tears because he said, Jonathan, I just feel like I've never seen our country where it is right now. Just don't know what to do. Just feeling so disturbed. Never seen people so hateful. Never seen us so divided. He was crying about this. You know, I think after a certain point, you can kind of be mad and you can be passionate about the things that you're passionate about, but after a certain point, it just gets paralyzing. And one of the things that I realized that's happening, even in that conversation that we're having, is it's not just the election, it's a whole lot of other things that are shifting right now, too. There are all kinds of things culturally. The election might embody it. It it might almost symbolize it in some ways, you know. It might be a tangible marker of it, but there's a lot more going on. All kinds of things that are happening in the church, all kinds of ideologies and theologies and, and assumptions that are being called into question and part of what I saw in my dad this week was just the level of just, just how much that consternation had, had affected him in a way that for someone who I've always known to be full of great hope seems to bring a kind of paralysis. I don't know what to do. This is not my dad's words. I'm just, you know, I'm broadening this thing now. I've read what everybody says on Facebook, and I don't know what to do. For what they're saying, which doesn't line up with what they're saying, this seems compelling to me, this doesn't. And there's so much friction within all the existing structures. Every, everything feels so tight and so tense. I don't know what to do. 
in moments like that, at least for me, when I feel overwhelmed by the enormity of everything going on out there, that doesn't like mobilize me to action. Man, that's where I just want to, you know, just lay down and just leave me alone. I just want to kind of check out of the game. And it would seem like there'd be nothing worse than being in that sort of paralyzed place, than feeling stuck, than feeling imprisoned. Except don't skip to the punchline just yet. Paul and Silas are in the prison in stocks. Surely things couldn't get any worse. They could only get better. And then here comes an earthquake. I have to think that when you're in stocks and the earthquake comes, it might not be your first thought to think, oh, here's God's deliverance. (laughs) It may be something more like, oh, God, seriously? Seriously? Really? Really? Another thing, is being in jail not enough? Now are you going to bring the walls down on my head? Is this the reward I get for faithfulness? Like there's nothing, there, there's nothing that feels awesome about this earthquake. And I specifically love this phrase. That the earthquake that comes in verse 26. In fact, let's look at that just one more moment. For suddenly there was an earthquake so violent that the foundations of the prison were shaken. Think about this. An earthquake so violent that the foundations are shaking. See, that's the kind of earthquake I feel like we're in right now. It doesn't just feel like that. It is what it is. The foundations are actually shaking. National foundations that are shaking. Church structures and foundations that are shaking. All kinds of ideas that are shaking. And not least of all, we ourselves are shaking. And there is no way when you're feeling jerked around like that that any of that can possibly be, that, it, that, that can be fun when you're watching the pictures fall off the wall, right? Everything that's been in its proper place before, everything that had a good spot on the shelves, well, I'm thinking of Radiohead right now, everything in its right place. Now, Everything's shaking and quaking, and this just does not feel awesome. It's violent. It feels dark. It feels out of control. We don't know what's going to happen to us. So I'm reading this, and I'm thinking about what Haggai says, where God says that I'm going to shake the nations. A unique vocation, a unique place for Israel, but the only way it's going to happen is if I shake the nations. I've been doing a lot of setup actually to say one very simple thing. Walls are shaking. Foundations are shaking. It feels volatile when things are shaking. We don't know what's going to stay and what's going to go. We don't know what we're going to hang on to or what is going to end up in the ruins and in the rubble. All of that's extremely stressful. All of that just feels awful. And the bottom line is that everybody has that same experience. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or whether you're not, everybody's feeling the earthquake. Everybody's feeling the violence. All I want to bring to your attention is just a simple shift in perspective. This is all. Everybody's experiencing the same earthquake. Everybody's feeling the same kind of shaking. Everybody's feeling the same sort of violent forces that are contending. Everybody's feeling the seismic shifts. Nobody knows where it's going. 
that experience is unique for everybody. I'm sorry, it's not unique for anybody. This is like, this is everybody right now. That's where everybody is. But while everybody experiences the earthquake, Paul and Silas do experience the earthquake in a very unique way. They're going to have a different perspective on the earthquake. Because what for everybody else simply feels and looks like an earthquake for Paul and Silas actually is a jailbreak. Anybody hear what I'm saying? What for everybody else is just an earthquake for them is a jailbreak. The same thing that's shaking everybody else to the foundations is what actually shakes the shackles off of them. The same thing that causes everybody else just to come unhinged is also unhinging the stocks. The very thing that feels like it's going to kill them is the thing that God uses to set them free. What feels like an earthquake for Paul and Silas is a jailbreak. So all I'm trying to do is raise this question. What if in everything that feels so violent and so awful and we don't have any idea where it's going and we don't know where God is, what happens if in all the shaking that God is doing with everyone out there, if the unique purpose for the people of God in here is that it's time for some treasures to be unlocked, it's time for some things to be liberated that wouldn't come out any other way. I would choose another way. <laughs> Please hear my heart that that's not like preacher rhetoric. I would choose another way. I have had more than enough shaking in my life, my friends. And you know what sounds freaking amazing to me right now is some stability. I want stability. I would choose for stability. If I got to vote between just words or concepts or ideas, I would choose stability right now over anything else. I would. Anything that would keep me certain. <laughs> I don't know what's supposed to happen. I just want to get under my covers in my bed with a bag of Cheetos. <laughs> That's not really true. I don't. I don't think I've ever craved Cheetos in my life. I don't know where that came from. With some Little Debbie zebra cakes. Those are rad. I want to get under the covers with some Little Debbie zebra cakes. I do. I, I do. I, I, I actually, I eat. I'm, I'm a medicating eater. That's, yes. And here it is a metaphor so you don't get too offended. Jack Daniels and zebra cakes. That sounds about right. <laughs> Numb the pain and then just give me a bunch of sugar. <laughs> then I'll go into a sugar coma and you can wake me up when all this is over. Doesn't that sound awesome? You're thinking, oh, no, it does not. Jack Daniels and, and, and zebra cakes do not sound awesome. Hear this in your spirit, man. <laughs> the point is... <laughs> I just want somebody to take me out. <laughs> I, I just, I, I don't know what's going to happen here, but here's, here's the thing that I know is just, this is just so human about us, and I believe it to be universally true. Because we don't have the, good, the big picture, and we don't know what's best for us, we will always choose things that will make us stable over the things that God would use to make us free. I mean, 100% of the time. 100% of the time. 
Because the path towards freedom is always the same. It always comes with the same kind of seismic shaking that is so violent and so forceful. You don't really know where you're going to land. You don't really know where any of that's going. Who chooses that? So I would choose to stay in a relationship that's bad for me. I would choose to stay in something unhealthy rather than to be dislodged. I would choose to stay in a job that wasn't working rather than to be dislodged. I would choose to stay in any and all, plug in the metaphor here, right? No matter what it is, I would always choose what's safe and stable, even if it's not good for me, over some kind of shaking. I would always take that. But here's what I know about how God works, and this is how I believe God works in us individually, and I truly believe this is a word corporately for the people of God right now that through what feels like a violent shaking of the foundations, and in fact is, that for us, part of the reason for that shaking is that for whatever things might be falling off the walls that we'd like to keep, and for whatever things that might be moving around that we would like not to move around, I also think there are some shackles that would not come off any other way. Some prison doors that would not come unlocked any other way. If there wasn't a violent shaking, we, we'd just stay in it, and it would all stay the same. But if what feels like an earthquake for everybody else, for us, is supposed to be a jailbreak? What if, like Paul and Silas, that this is the midnight hour kind of deliverance that comes? I don't, I, I, I don't have, even have the right kind of language to wrap around this. I mean, I, I, I truly don't. I just know that is the best way I can put verbiage to it is that there's something about there is something about the church especially when we're in a place of power and influence and affluence where things start coming easy relatively easy and the world feels pretty stable and predictable let's not kid ourselves we don't see the real power of god in moments like that we don't because we don't need it we don't need the power of god in those moments we don't need the power of god when everything is secure and we're getting our way. We don't need to pray. We don't need the power of the Holy Spirit. And in those moments where things are relatively stable, we can even think that we're free, and we're not. We're actually locked in. We're actually inhibited. There are invisible constraints that we can't even see. You hear what I'm saying right now? That are holding us down. The truth is we were called for a much greater adventure than this. God was calling us to something bigger. God was calling us to something wilder. God was calling us to something dangerous. And that thing that we thought was bringing us security and stability was actually the thing that was shackling us to the floor. It's the very thing that's holding us back. Very thing that's keeping us from stepping fully into our own gifts and callings. Very thing that's keeping us from doing everything that God has called us to do. And we, we didn't even know that we were in a jail cell. Until the walls start quaking and the earthquake comes and some things start cutting loose. Some things start falling off of us. Expectations that others had placed on us that we had placed on ourselves that all along have been shackles. They have bound us up. A way of thinking about God and life and the world that had been shackling us. 
And the only way that the gospel is going to be thrown out into the nations, which is another way of saying the only way that we're going to get thrown out into the nations is if there's a shaking that dislodges us, something that will cause the treasure to shake loose. Man, I wish I was T.D. Jakes right now so I could do this the way that I want to. Because this feels like a T.D. Jakes thing, even though I didn't get it from him. Some things have to be shaken loose. Like, that's the only way. Shaken loose. Like, you don't. Not. Shaken loose. Shaken out of some things. And I'm saying all this stuff, and I realize I do this sometimes. Uh, I'm talking about the, the, these large... This feels so abstract and conceptual right now. There's a reason for that. It's because I don't know what I mean. <laughs> that would explain that. But I hope in the bigness and broadness of that that there's some room for the Holy Spirit to begin to illuminate some of those things. Because somehow right now, this really does feel for me like a one-size-fits-all kind of word. <laughs> that, that whatever it is that you feel like is shaking right now, whatever it is that's shaking in the foundations, that somehow the Spirit of God is at work in that shaking, which requires at least... Um, it requires at least this much, at, at the very least out of us, this kind of shift in perspective, that instead of just sitting there and kind of being befuddled and saying, dear God, what's happening? Isn't this awful? To at least be open to what God by his spirit might actually be doing constructively through the earthquake. At least be open to that. And instead of just, oh, this feels awful, what is it that God might be using right now? What might God be leveraging right now to set us free? I just can't get beyond this part that everybody has the same experience of the earthquake but for Paul and Silas it's a very different reality because the earthquake is the thing that God uses to set them free the earthquake is the thing that God uses to cause them then to be unconstricted uninhibited nothing left to lose you hear what I'm saying Everything else is falling off. All the old expectations, all the old ideas. No, I'm not, I will not apologize for Pentecostal charismatic-sizing this text. This is how the church fathers preached, by the way. They would allegorize the text just like this. I feel fully within my bounds right now. There, I really believe that there are certain things that just have to be shaken loose. And I'm just wondering right now what's quaking and what's trembling that feels really awful for you right now, that even in the violence of that, this could be the Spirit of God desperately just working to set you free and to set us free, to get us back to a place where we're hungry again. <laughs> so help me, I listened 15 times this morning to the song from the, uh, the Hamilton musical, uh, that Take My Shot. How does that go? Since I listened to it 15, so help me out, somebody. Not going to miss my shot. Yeah, yeah. So I probably got this. There's the whole thing about being young, scrappy, and hungry. And I just, I'm thinking, I'm sorry. It's clear that was the thing. That, that should have been inner monologue right there, apparently. <laughs> but there, that, that, this whole idea, it's in the song, not missing my shot, about being young, scrappy, and hungry. I just really feel like that's where the church of Jesus Christ needs to be again right now. Scrappy and hungry. Instead of complacent, which is how we always are when everything is going swell, <laughs> instead of all stable and secure and fine and scrappy, hungry, 
We don't know what we're gonna, we don't know what to do, so we have to trust God. We don't know where it's, where it's gonna go, so we better be filled with the Holy Spirit. We don't know what it's gonna look like. See, the la- I don't, and I'm wondering, um, I don't know if this would seem counterintuitive or not. Maybe it would seem like the right thing for me to do today in a time where there seems to be so much shaking is to try to say some things to try to calm all of that down and make you feel better. Here's the thing. If I told you some things that made you feel better, it would not make the shaking stop, right? Those pictures aren't going to stay on the wall. You get back into your car. You pull the smartphone right back. Wham. Oh, it's still happening, isn't it? So an hour and a half of sanctified denial probably would not do you much good in this moment. <laughs> because when you go back out, it's, it's still going to be shaking. So I can't tell you no lies, right? Like, so I'm just, but I'm wondering, though, what happens if instead of being so resistant to the shaking, even so upset by the shaking, so, um, so discontent by the shaking, what if we really trusted and believed that somehow in the midst of all of this, the Spirit of God is shaking the foundations so that God can bring out his treasure in us and through us, that God can make us the light for nations again? What if we really believe that, that, some, that it's not just violent? It's not, there, there, it's not just senseless earthquake, that there is something beautiful that God wants to do among his people in the midst of all of this. I know the question on everybody's mind right now is, who's coming in? Who's coming in? But especially in a context where, like Paul and Silas, locked inside this Macedonian prison, locked inside this jail in Philippi, the gospel locked in, the good gifts that God has placed inside of us locked in. All of these treasures that God wants to bring forth, all of that is locked in, constricted, bound up. And we sit there in that bound place, sit there within the prison, wondering who's going to come in, wondering who's going to be in charge. All I want to tell you this morning is this. I have no idea who's coming in. What I want you to hear is that we're coming out. I don't know who's coming in. I'm telling you, we're coming out. Oh, man, y'all are just, y'all are not hearing this the way that I'm feeling it right now. Whoever comes in, we're coming out. Because that's God's work. God has ordained this. God ordains for the foundations to be shaken. God is the one who causes it all to shake and tremble. God uses the people we don't like both directions to bring the earthquake about so that things become unstable enough so that finally, once again, there's an actual need for God. Finally, once again, instead of being secure and stable, we get hungry and thirsty for righteousness again. We get hungry for the supernatural again. We want to see God work in the ways that only God can work. Because we don't know what to do. Christendom, as we've known it, is falling. All of our ideas about what we think our nation is supposed to be, what the world is supposed to be, all that seems to be falling. And in the midst of that, what if God is liberating his people? What if there is a work that has been contained, that has been constricted, that's been bound up? I feel like I'm overcooking this thing now. I'm trying to stop, I promise. 
that God just wants to, to cut loose. And I can't stress this enough for as much as I feel that as a prophetic thing about nations or whatever, please hear it in a personal way. That maybe those things that on a deeply personal level right now, that, you, that they're so puzzling. I finally thought I was at a place where things were starting to settle down. And how is this quaking over here? Please don't forget that the God that you serve is a liberator who in past, present, and future, that is always what he's doing is cutting people loose from bondage. And I'm wondering if even in those personal situations right now that feel so awful and feel so uniquely, oh, just shaking, 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 that there's a way that God does not want to bring freedom, that there's not some things that God wants to loosen, some things that God wants to set free. Please stand up so that I won't keep preaching. So the prayer, I think, right now is not for God to make the shaking stop. I think the prayer has to be that we make ourselves open so that in the shaking and in the violence, Lord, what are, what are the things that you want to set us free from? How in all these things that feel like they're crumbling and all these things that feel, wh where are there things right now that you're wanting to unlock? What's the stuff that you want to unloose? See, I feel like some of this, um, it, it's kind of how sermons come for me, actually. It's like uh, uh, I, I will have a couple of days where it just feels like swirling chaos, like, kind of like a stomachache, and it just won't go away. Swirling, 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 swirling. And then if anything ever, ever good comes out of that, I'm always surprised that that produces something good. But I just think there's something even in that of just how the Spirit of God works, consternation, God, this is awful, 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 and bam. <laughs> then there's something beautiful that God Something surprising that happens as the foundations are being shaken. Let's pray. I don't even know what to pray for or pray about, but let's pray. God, we just thank you that you are the one who shakes the nations. Not just Israel, not just the church. You shake the foundations of the world. And Lord, we know what it's like to be Shaken. We know what it's like for everything in us to be stirred. We know what it's like, Lord, to feel the, the queasiness of that where sometimes we just want off the ride. But Lord, I just so believe that in the midst of these things, in the midst of this shaking, Lord, that there is an unshackling that you want to do in us. There is an, an unshackling that you want to do in your people. So God, I pray that you would grace us this morning to be able to shift our perspective, not just to see the earthquake, but to see the jailbreak, to see the things, Lord, inside of us as a community, as a people, as individuals, that you are wanting, Lord, things that you're wanting to release into the world that will be for its blessing. Lord, things that you want to release into the world that will be a vehicle of your grace and of your mercy, but only happens through all of this. Help us to see your grace in the shaking. Help us to receive that terrible mercy that allows everything else to come crumbling down so that what's real will remain. And I, you just bring it to my attention over and over again from Hebrews. I can't get around it. Let everything that can be shaken be shaken. So that what's really in us, God, will be refined and purified, will be real and authentic. 
That's my prayer, Lord. I pray that in all the shaking, that what will shake and what will fall most of all is everything that is not real. That all that is illusory and false in us would crumble until what remains is authentic and true and raw and primal and actual and real. If you just lift your hands to the Lord right where you are as a sign of surrender and of trust, and whatever way you want to tell the Lord this, can we? Just, let's just express our heart to him this way. Lord, unshackle us in whatever ways we need to be unshackled, Lord. Remove the chains, even ways that we're locked up. We're not even aware that we're in prison. God, we pray that you would unshackle us. We pray that you would loose us. We pray, God, you would help us not to clench our fists, but to keep our hands open and our hearts open. That, Lord, wherever this is going, that you have good work for us to do. That your calling on us, Lord, is, is, a, is a sure thing. You have raised us up for such a time as this to be your people for the sake of the world. So whatever you need to dislodge, dislodge it. And whatever treasures in us you want to excavate, God, excavate us. Even if the digging is painful, even if the earthquake is violent, Lord, do what you have to do to set us free, to be your people for the world. We ask this in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And everybody said, amen. amen. I don't know who's coming in, but we're coming out. Thanks for listening to this message from Sanctuary Church. If you're in the Tulsa area, we invite you to attend one of our weekend services on Sundays at 8.30 a.m., 10 a.m., or 11.30 a.m. If you would like more information about who we are and what we're about, or to partner financially with what God is doing through Sanctuary, you can go to our website at SanctuaryTulsa.com. You can also download our mobile app from the App Store and Google Play. We hope you'll join us next week. Grace and peace.